Thanks for listening to Worst Seats in the House with Michael Russo and Anthony LaPanta. Our next live show is Monday at 7 p.m. at Tuttles and Hopkins. Monday, 7 p.m., Tuttles and Hopkins. See you there. The Sheriff family enjoys spending a lot of time outside. Hence, we care what goes into our environment. That's why we support propane, the energy for everyone. Did you know that propane produces fewer greenhouse gas emissions than electricity generated on the U.S. grid? Propane's emissions are 43% fewer. That's a lot. Propane is clean, dependable, and affordable. Plus, it's produced right here in the USA. Let's all do our part to reduce emissions from our homes, cabins, and businesses by choosing propane, the right energy right now. To learn more about propane, the energy for everyone, go to propane.com. Welcome back to Worst Seats in the House. Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta, coming to you on this just beautiful, beautiful Wednesday here in the Twin Cities. Uh, the one thing I did forget driving here, Anthony, is how much Minnesotans don't know how to drive in the rain. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Although I'll tell you what, if you think Minnesotans don't know how to drive in the rain, you should have seen the people in Montreal driving in a blizzard yesterday. <laughs> I saw a semi-truck in Montreal's hilly. Yeah. And going down those hills from we stay kind of most of the way up the hill and then you go down the hill to the arena. I saw a semi that had his brakes locked up and was basically sliding wow. down the hill. I saw him slide for about a block and a half. He was only going two or three miles an hour probably, but just sliding and could not stop. And I watched him slide. Luckily, he didn't hit any parked cars or anything, but that blizzard shut down Montreal Tuesday morning. Wow. Um, it was like a midwinter blizzard, snowing sideways. It was crazy. Yeah, um, and then the Wild go out. They win 2-0, uh, continue their hot streak here. 16-2-4 in their last uh, 22 games. They're 10-0-1 in their last 11 um, at home. And we know who they're playing in the playoffs. It's somebody that we figured they were playing for, like, the last two months. It's something – it's crazy. For the, I think it's 32 – out of the last 63 days, it's been – or 64 days, it's a clean split on who is in the second seed or third seed. For the last six, how many days yeah. they spent there? Yep. So a clean split, uh, Wild and Blues. Right now, the Wild, at least temporarily, um, have a game in hand. They are tied with 103 points with the Blues. So right now, they have home ice. Uh, when the Wild play the Seattle Kraken on Friday, I believe that'll be the game in hand. But then the Blues retake the game, and you know the Wild will then get a game in hand again. And then I think it's the uh, Calgary game where they break even there with second two games to go in the regular season. So Wild right now, if they take care of business, five of the last six games on home ice, they are in the driver's seat. They have five of six at home. St. Louis has four or five on the road. But Minnesota plays four games against contending teams, only two against teams that are out, where St. Louis only has two games against contenders, and basically three, they have a trip to San Jose, Anaheim, and Arizona. And the big thing to remember is St. Louis will win the tiebreaker. Right. It's regulation wins. They're seven ahead of the wild. So no matter what, if the teams end up tied, St. Louis will get home ice. And I think the bigger thing to watch is Minnesota's got some guys banged up right now. Mm -hmm. If this was a fight for a playoff spot, I think they'd be pushing those guys back into the lineup. And because it's just for home ice, I think they'll end up being much more careful with those guys and view it more as we need them to be healthy in the postseason. And the only reason I bring that up is it might make Minnesota overtaking St. Louis and winning home ice a little less likely. And it's not because they don't think it matters. They do, but they think it matters more to have their guys be healthy into the postseason. You know, it is the one thing that is interesting. You mentioned the contenders is that we do have to wonder um, what type of lineup Calgary and Colorado will dress in those last two games because they're going to be in do not hurt mode. They're locked for one and two in the conference. 
So, I mean, that would be a, the only thing that, that might change things is those those games could be very, very winnable. They could be very winnable. There's no doubt about it. But I'm just saying that if you look at Minnesota's lineup and you mm-hmm. say that if they were pushing to get in the playoffs, you'd see all these guys back Oh, yeah, back no, I in. agree with you there. And I think, I, I don't know, it's hard to know what other teams are going to do. And when you look at Calgary and the way that – Sutter is wired. Do you ever see him tell, saying, we're going to change the way we play and give guys a night off? I mean, to me, he looks like the guy that's like, I don't care. We're playing a hockey game. Mm-hmm. I put my best 20 on the ice and we try to win. Who knows what Colorado might be doing? They're kind of in a similar spot with some of their guys beat up. I know Bowen Byram already came back, but you're going to be looking at Landeskog trying to work his way back. Kadri's coming back from an injury. So they might be in a similar spot where there's that balance of, you need rest. You want them to be 100%. At the same time, you certainly don't want the first game they've played in six weeks or eight weeks or whatever the number is to, to be, be game, game one of the right. playoffs. So there's a lot of things in play that are different than just looking at the schedule saying, okay, the next three are against these three high-quality opponents. These games are always really fascinating when you're locked for a playoff spot because the players just naturally also take their foot off the gas a bit because they don't want to get hurt. And uh, remember the one game, the last game of the regular season, the Wild played at home once against Nashville. I think they lost 6-1. And Briskolov was just waving at pucks. I mean, it was, it well, was hilarious. And I they remember, finally had a pull-up, right? And if I remember right, there were... Like nobody was getting no, a shooting nobody lanes. Nobody wanted to get in the way of a puck. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see because there there's a value in it for sure. And there's a balance. And... We've seen years where the Wild had to push right down to the final game to get in. We've seen other years where they clinched with five, six, seven games to spare and were able to rest some guys. I think it depends on the team, maybe the age of the team, the mentality of the team. With this team, you get the feel like they only know how to play the game one way. And there'd be a part of me as a coach to say, do I really want to get away from that and run guys out there and say, okay, we're going to play you tonight, but it's like an exhibition game. Don't get hurt. Just take it easy. I just don't see some of these guys wired that way. And let's say you are a guy coming back from injury. Don't you want to know what it's going to, that you're okay to hit a guy in the corner, know that you're okay to go down to block a shot, to just make the plays that you've been making all year there's definitely a part of me that has some concerns whenever guys start saying we're just taking the foot off the gas between here and the finish to make sure that we're ready for the playoffs. No doubt. Um, And it's just going to be interesting because these injuries that the wild players have too are stuff that can get aggravated. So I think they are going to be careful, as you mentioned. Um, Real, let's go goaltending right now. I mean, Cam Talbot, 11-0-3 in his last 15 appearances, 14 starts. Um, Marc-Andre Fleury, 6 and one with the Wild, really fascinating to me. I think uh, Talbot's lost six straight games against the Blues. Uh, I believe Flurry has lost 10 of his last 16 against the Blues. Well, and everybody uh, in a Wild sweater has lost a lot to Fleury the Blues But Flurry was lately. not in those games with right. the Wild is what I'm saying. Right. So right now, um, but you have, look, the, I mean, Cam has done nothing to sh- say to coaches and management that he shouldn't be that game one starter. Do you... let? Look, regardless of who the game one starter is, what do you think the Wild do in the playoffs? Do you think you do, like, they're going to obviously, both these guys are going to get starts, but do you think it'll be more like 2003 where you go with, say, Rollison, you go with him until he loses, then you put in Flurry if Talbot's starting, or do you think that he's just going to continue the rotation going in the playoffs? I think what happens in the next two weeks dictates that. Right now, I think if the if game one was tomorrow night, Talbot. Cam Talbot starts and probably plays until he loses. If all of a sudden in the next two weeks, let's say both of them are red hot or both of them stub their toe a little bit, maybe you switch that and you say, let's just keep going every other night. It's been working and both guys seem to be thriving. I told you I had this conversation with Vinny a couple weeks ago about goalies when rested, they might just be a split second sharper on some things. And maybe these guys playing every other game instead of even when it's every other night. Because think about that. Every other game sometimes gives you two or three days off in between because in between starts because the other guy plays in there. Maybe that's been part of the reason why Cam has looked so good lately. And so there is a part of you that would and you got two guys that can both win in the playoffs. So why not? And know that each night 
if a guy goes in there and struggles at the start, that you got another guy ready and you can abandon a plan of alternating fairly quickly. I, I haven't talked to Dean directly about this, but I get the feeling like it would be much more like that 03 situation where they had two guys who had been yeah. the guy throughout the well, course of the season and they rode one until they felt like the other guy gave him a better chance that night. Well, I was just talking to the uh, longtime former wild goalie coach, uh, Bob Mason, on the way over to your house for the story that I'm going to be doing on this subject late next week. And, you know, he's, he pointed out, too, about a true goalie rotation and why it wouldn't work in the playoffs. It's just like, you know, imagine Cam Talbot goes out and steals game one or wins 40, say, you know, 40 saves or a shutout or something. Are you really going with Flurry in game two? Like, the way it usually works is you're going to go – if the guy is great, you're going to go You're going to go with that guy the next game. But when that first opportunity is that you can maybe change things up, if the guy struggles, you change it up. And he said that – I don't want to give away everything that I'm writing in this story, but he said – that you know, they used to have hour and a half debates before every single game that playoff series, deciding between Manny Fernandez and Dwayne Rolson. It was they'd go out to dinner. It was be him, Jacques, and the co- and Rammer and Mario and Doug, and and they would they would talk, and Jacques would open it up by saying, you know, like Mace, who are we starting tomorrow, you know, and but it is, it's it's not. I just don't think that you can go with the same rotation uh, as much. No, as I don't uh, either. I think yeah. you have to go with the guy as long as he's. Good. But now let's say even let's say you go out and win game one, but it's a five to four game and you don't think your goalie was particularly sharp. Start the other guy. And I I just think the way they've played it now and the way both of those guys have handled it, they clearly both would love to be a number one guy and be the guy every night in the playoffs. But I also think they are smart enough to know that the other guy is a capable goaltender. They've been great teammates about it. I, listening to Cam again last night after the game in Montreal, after he was brilliant last night and earned a shutout and downplayed everything. Hey, shutouts our team thing. I mean, just everything he says and does is so professional that and such a team-driven guy that I just think if you t- said to him, we think Mark's the better guy tonight, okay, I'll be the Mark's biggest cheerleader on the bench. Especially, I mean, we've seen it, uh, you know, all the social media and the digital media that the Wild have done. I mean, they've really given us an inside glimpse of the locker room when first Marc-Andre Fleury was acquired here. And Cam Talbot couldn't have been more professional. You know, gave him the, the puck of the game after his first game, did everything possible to try to make him feel comfortable. And you could just see, I mean, Cam, Cam I mean, we've gotten to know Cam the last couple of years. I mean, this is a good guy. Yeah, unbelievable guy. And, and we know that Marc-Andre Fleury has been in this situation before and didn't... And the guys things. love yeah. him. And the fact that there... I think you had said it on an earlier show where it was that there's just something about watching him walk down the hallway or get on the bus that just brings a different level of credibility to the Minnesota Wild than what we've seen. This is a Hall of Fame goaltender. He's one of three guys that's won 500 games in the history of the game. And the way he handles himself, the way he carries himself around the rink, whether he's the starter or the backup that night, I think there's a a lot that bleeds through. It was interesting listening to Dean before the game in Montreal yesterday, Wild without two of their their two alternate captains in Dumba and Felino, and he was talking about other guys who had stepped up in the room and assumed more of a leadership role. One of the guys he brought up was Nick Delorier, who's been here for three and a half weeks, and yet has immediately established himself as a leader inside the room. And he mentioned a couple other guys too, like Erickson Eck and Brodine, who have who have been more vocal, more prominent this year. But the other specific guy that he brought up was Marc-Andre Fleury yeah. and said, it's been crazy the way he has fit into this room and how guys look to him as an example of how to carry yourself around an NHL rink. Um, have you had any long conversations with Nick Delorier yet, by the way? Not long, just a couple so, brief ones, actually. So uh, I, I'm doing this big feature, and I'm gonna, and you know, he called me in St. Louis the other day, and I talked to him for an hour about wine. An hour about wine. This guy has almost a thousand bottles of wine. He's building a wine cellar at his house in Montreal that is apparently like off the charts. Um, he's got every like like just all these different collectibles and things well, like why that. Why isn't he here on the podcast? I know, I know today. that. So I'm doing this big feature on him because you know, like next week, just you know, this tough guy. I mean, we've seen with the swollen faces and the the you know the calluses all over his hands and things like that. But yet he's a wine connoisseur. Um, it's just a 
It was really, honestly, the, the entire time I was actually on the phone with him, I was thinking, like, I kind of wish that Anthony was on this phone, too, to almost lend, lend, lend me more context to exactly some of these bottles that he was talking about. Because, like, I like wine, but I wouldn't say that I know a ton about wine. I know what I like, uh, where I think you would have heard, you would have known a lot of the bottles that he was bringing up. I was having him text me spellings. You know, you're like I'm Googling stuff as he's saying it. It was just, I don't know, it's going to be a fun story if I write it well. Well, it was interesting being around the people in the press box and the rink in Montreal. They all loved him. Oh, yeah. And the, the town loved him. Doesn't surprise me, I guess, now when you think about it a little bit, that it seems like everybody up in that town knows quite a bit about wine. Now, I will say, I don't know anything about French wine, and it's not because I don't like it. It's just because I've decided to stick with what I know, which is more the Italians. But I had dinner in an Italian restaurant, but most of their wine list was French. And so I was like, look, I don't have any idea. Luckily, they had a, a wine expert there who also drank Italian wine. So I'm telling this guy what I like among Italians. And so what's the closest you have to this? And he's going through a couple of yeah. their French selections. And it's crazy how the people up in that in that town, there's so many, everywhere you go, yeah. the people know their wine. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm doing this uh, also, this giant story, it's going to come out Thursday. So this podcast will be out, the story will be out on, on just the boot, scoring boom in the NHL. And Zegris called me the other day um, for that story. And... Um, at the end of the conversation with Zegers, I'm like, hey, you mind if I ask you about Delorier, please? You know, like Delorier. And he was in Tampa getting ready for the Lightning game. It was a game day. He's like, I will talk to you all day about Nick Delorier. He's my favorite teammate I have ever played with in my entire life. And he went on and on and on about all the things that Delorier did to make him better off the ice, getting him in the gym, things like that. So, um, so this story on Delorier is going to be a good one if I ever get around to Which, it. Which let me just like sixteen stories now. Let's take a quick minor detour off of that statement. So when you think about all the things that Bill Guerin has done since he's been here, mm-hmm. look at how the the one constant theme in everybody that he's added to this roster. Great teammate. Jake Middleton. Uh-huh. Everybody in San Jose raved about yeah. what a guy he was, how much he was loved in the room. Yeah. When we were getting ready for the San Jose game the other day, what was it, Sunday, they played the Sharks at home. Yeah. Brett Hedekin, who's their color yeah. analyst, came into our booth and said, I cannot figure out why we traded Jake Middleton. If you're rebuilding, that's the guy you keep around here to set an example for everybody in the organization. Everybody we've talked to about Nick Delorier raves about him. Obviously, he had firsthand knowledge of Marc-Andre Fleury, but everybody we've talked to and everything we've seen from him, high-quality, first-class guy. I just think you really have to Give some credit to how much attention to detail he's put on making sure the guys were the right guys to come in here. Obviously, hockey talent matters too, but he has made certain that he didn't bring anybody in here that was not going to fit in in this room or add to the chemistry and the camaraderie this team has. We have a ton of sponsors that make this, uh, this podcast go. Our newest one is Royal Credit Union. Less fee, more free. Here's a word from Royal Credit Union. Take the checking account challenge from Royal Credit Union. Compare your checking account to Royal and see why it makes sense to switch. Royal's checking accounts have no hidden fees and lots of free features that make it easy to stay on top of your money. You can deposit checks with Royal's mobile app, receive real-time notifications when transactions happen, and even freeze your debit card in seconds. See what other features you're missing out on and make the switch to a Royal checking account at rcu.org slash royalchallenge, insured by NCUA. If you're looking for a one-stop shop for all your home service needs, my friends over to Aquarius Home Services provide the highest quality water treatment, plumbing, heating and cooling, and electrical services. They pride themselves on providing superior customer service. They respect you, your time, and attention to details that really make a difference. Not only do they provide superior customer service, their 100% performance guarantee is backed by the best material, product, and labor warranties in the business. Aquarius believes in earning the right to be recommended. Looking for a comp- looking for a company you could trust for your water treatment, plumbing, heating, cooling, and electrical? Contact Aquarius and AquariusHomeServices.com. And don't forget to mention that Russo sent you. So, Anthony, uh, Kevin Fiala playing pretty well right now. Seven goals, seven assists in his last seven games. Seven-game point streak. Hit 30 goals to give the Wild three 30-goal scorers for the first time 
uh, in wild history. Uh, Matt Boldy, if he had played the whole season, is on a 30-goal pace as well. Uh, since December 20th, I think he has 26 goals now and 57 points. Just guy is on fire. It's really amazing. In fact, I was just putting together some stuff for our broadcast tomorrow night and looking at both he and Kirill Kaprizov and their numbers, they both had slow starts. And I, for Fiala, I split it with his first 25 games. The 80 game, 82 game pace for his first 25 games was, I believe it was eight goals and 46 points. Yeah. And now since then, the 82 game pace for what's followed is 40 goals and 90 points. It's been amazing how good he's been. And a lot of it coincides with when Matt Boldy came to this team and all of a sudden gave him a winger with some talent that that seemed to bring things out of him. And all year long, we talked a lot early in the season about it. Just felt like he was always the guy who had somebody awkwardly shoved onto his line because there wasn't a natural fit with another scorer. And and all along, the organization knew Boldy was eventually going to be that guy. It was just a matter of waiting for him to be healthy, waiting for him to get his game on track in Iowa. And as soon as he arrived, those two have taken off. I think it's been, I'd say the last seven games, that line has carried the no team. Doubt. The Kaprizov, Hartman, Zuccarello line has continued to produce. The game in St. Louis, production's a little really bit down. Right, but th- these guys, they were the only reason they won the San Jose game. Mm-hmm. They were the only reason they, I mean, they both the goals in the Montreal game. And I just think when you watch, they're certainly not getting the defensive attention that Kaprizov and Zuccarello are. So that's, you have to keep that in mind. But these three guys have been terrific. And you're starting to see some of that similar chemistry develop between Fiala and Boldy, where they just seem to know where the other is at all times. And and now with it, Fiala's earned some confidence of the coaches. He and Freddie Gaudreau have been great to start penalty kill situations. They've been their best forward tandem on the kill. And they've been creating chances to score. They've been possessing the puck. They've been efficient on their clears. Fiala's now getting a chance on that top power play unit again. So there's it, it all goes hand in hand where it's, is it because he's got more trust that he's producing more? Maybe, but his production has earned that trust. It's also his work ethic. I mean, you know, he has shifts where he is just motoring everywhere. You know, I mean, he, you could he, see it last night oh, from the start. He yeah. was the Wilds' most engaged and most aggressive, most assertive forward. No doubt about it. Um, the other one that's definitely found his stride is is Goudreau. I mean, this guy, not only just producing points, but I, I remember the training camp, the first month of the season. You and I were like, oh boy, what do they have here with him? And now, I mean. It's, again, not just the offense. I mean, you watch him on a full shift. If you really isolate him, the little things he does with his stick to break up plays, he is a great, great two-way player. I remember the first conversation I had with Dean Evason when I didn't know much about Freddie Gaudreau when we signed him. He had been a in and out of the lineup, bottom half of the lineup guy in Nashville, and I, I didn't really remember much about him. And, and I remember on media day, we had done a sit-down with Dean, and we were just chatting after the interview was done, and I said – well, what, what do you think of Freddie Gaudreau? And he turned and he just, and as a matter of fact, and I can't repeat any Dean stories because there are so many F-bombs in the middle of the sentences that, but so insert a few of those here where he just said, you're going to love this guy. He is a great hockey player. And I kind of looked at him and he said, I'm serious. He said, don't look at any of the stats. Don't look at what he's done in the past. This guy is a great hockey player. And the more you watch him, the more you appreciate that. And early it felt like his only role was to make sure that when Kevin Fiala took a chance or made a turnover that he was there to cover it up. And instead, now he's become a contributor offensively. He's starting to make some plays. He's got some skill. And I think he is. He's a great hockey player. I'm not saying he's an all-star, but he's a great hockey player. Yeah, actually, I felt badly for you uh, when you missed the Dallas game because those are the goals goal goals you know calls that you're made for you know i mean that play that that um flurry made to goudreau i mean they called it the french sense because if you think about it pucks going the other way freddie's probably going for a line change but he just stayed there you know um it was a disruption by fiala to get that puck off Klingberg's stick essentially from getting to Klingberg, and then I mean, Flurry read it right away, and what a pass, and what a finish! Yeah, it was it's exciting. Those are the kind of moments that have made this team special all year long. Yeah. In fact, I was talking to the Montreal radio broadcasters, and they were asking me about what it is about this team. What is 
you know, they, the one thing about being in Montreal that I love is, so they've got four sets of broadcasters because they've got English TV, English radio, French TV, French radio. And all four of them know your lineup up and down. And they're talking to me about the specifics of how the wild roster is built and how their lines are built for the playoffs. I mean, these guys are, they, it's crazy, their knowledge level of all the teams in the league. But anyway, they asked about this team, and I said, there's just something, and it's been there from the beginning. And the best way you can describe it is I said, I've been doing these games for 10 years, and we have seen more great finishes in 75 games this year than in the nine years previously combined. Yeah. We've seen 10 years worth of unbelievable games in one season. This just doesn't happen. Their extra attacker stuff, their overtime magic, the and it's different guys every night that are just making plays at key times in games. It's it's been something. And yeah, I think 21 it's all, comebacks, I believe. Yeah, right. Nine third period comebacks. And they've got the, the the point stolen, which is another graphic we we're gonna use in tomorrow's show. The points they've stolen in games they trailed late, where it was I think the number I used was final 12 minutes of games where they've been behind. They have nine wins and three overtime losses. So think about that. That's 21 points that they've stolen in the standings in games they were trailing in the final 12 minutes. You'll go seasons where teams yeah. get two or three yeah. wins out of those kind of games and right. multiple goal deficits. It's And it just seems to be bleeding through where now Freddie Gaudreau's making a play like that, where... In previous years, you might have had two or three guys in your roster that would make that play, and everybody else would fail to finish. Yeah. And now it just feels like we've seen Marcus Foligno deliver on the. It's just the what's happening with this team is is incredible. Yep, no doubt. Um, you know, it is. Uh, I I did that scoring boom story that's running Thursday, and it's it's. I mean, the numbers are insane on how uh, goals right now are the highest that they've been since the early to mid nineties. Um, everything, even strength, comebacks. Um, but the one that's interesting is empty net goals is, is that's a new trend in the league where, where not only are they pulling goalies earlier, but they'll they'll give up a goal and still keep them empty. And so there's been 441 or two empty net goals this year. That is by far the most in the year. But in terms of six on five goals, you know, extra attacker goals, um, this is also a, a I think it's the second most in NHL history. And the Wild are right up there 21 times they've scored. Uh, yeah, an eight, extra attacker. Eight more than any other team. Yeah, exactly. Now, some of that includes extra delayed, attacker yeah. on a delayed penalty. Two but of them, still, I it's Yeah, the and, Lightning, and you're right, 14. The lightning have, 14. yeah, they have 14 now. And it's, yeah. you don't know how many of those have come in those same spots, but by and large, it's been the end of games. Teams yeah. willing to, and it now you've gotten to the point where you're surprised when other teams don't do it. No doubt. And there have been a couple games where the Wilds' opponent has been, you're down two, there's a minute and a half left. How is your goalie still in the game? And Or down one, Minnesota gets an empty net goal, and for the center ice faceoff, they've got their goalie back. And where Dean is, I don't care if I lose by two, three, four, doesn't matter. Our best chance to win is to stay six on five and <laughs> seven minutes left in a faceoff at center, and the, we're leaving the goalie on the bench. Um, what do you think is, uh, the like, if you had to guess right now, I mean, uh, Going into the playoffs, special teams, how critical is it for the Wild to fix this situation? Because five on five, I really think that they can go head to head with St. Louis. But St. Louis special teams have been special this year, and the Wilds has been special in a very different way. Yeah, I always feel like special teams gets minimized a little bit in the playoffs in that there aren't as many power plays given. I always felt Although like teams- I will say that. Can I interrupt for a second? Yeah. I did a uh, podcast the other day with Tim Peel, the former referee, and he had the numbers in there. And it's actually, I mean, we, we I think we think the standard of officiating changes, but actually power plays the last couple of years, penalties have been up. But they, they compared to the regular in, in, for a number of power play opportunities yeah. per game. I'd have to go back and look at that. It, it always has felt like they're less inclined to give a bunch of power plays in the playoffs. But I've always felt like it was more important to be good on the kill than it is to be good on the power play going into the postseason. And we, I, I remember a couple of years ago, I went back and looked at the teams that won and where they ranked during the regular season on the penalty kill. It was 
something like eight out of 10 champions were in the top 10 in penalty kill, and only three of the 10 were in the top 10 in the league in the power play. And I think you have, it was more important that you're able to negate the other team's power play than it is to score yourself. I think Minnesota's power play is fine, even though they're right in the middle of the pack. I think they're 17th or 18th right now, but they're about 20%. And if you're 20% on the power play, that's fine. The penalty kill is a concern. We'll see when they get healthy. A lot of the guys right now that are banged up are guys on whom they lean a lot on the kill. But I think it's been a problem, and I've talked to Dean about it a lot. He continues to downplay the structure problems or anything else and says it's just we every mistake we're making right now is ending up in the back of our net. And there's a little bit of truth to that. He also says there's no goalie rotation, so sometimes you got to take with No, that's true. <laughs> but, 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 but I mean, you know what? There are some times where your penalty kill is actually okay, yeah. and but every time you, that you make a mistake, they wind up cashing in on it. And there was, I remember one Look year. Look at the one the other night in St. Louis. Brodine doesn't, get, doesn't the get the puck out. Puck out and they, they score. score with the second left right. after great kill. And now, on the other hand, they've also given up a couple lately that haven't even counted against their kill because it's been one second after one a guy Nashville. stepped out of the box. Yeah. And so it could the numbers could be even worse. But I, I do have concerns about the kill. I think it's been better with Fiala and Goudreau. Out, and part of that, too, is Goudreau's been a good faceoff guy, so they actually get a clear right away on the kill sometimes. We'll see. When you get Felino and Greenway back in the lineup, they've proven to be good penalty killers. I, I guess we'll have to see. If it continues the way it's going right now, I'd be concerned about it going into the playoffs. By the way, we have tons of podcasts uh, on the Talk North Network, and one of the great ones is the John Krasinski Show. So uh, Wolves are in the playoffs. Series tied 1-1. Uh, go listen to the John Krasinski Show. Best accent on our network. No doubt about it. Um, by the way, if you didn't listen to my Tim Peel podcast the other day, Anthony, I think you'd love it. First of all, we did it from the Ritz-Carlton Cigar Club, which was awesome in Clayton, Missouri. Have you? Have I got in there with you before? You're not a big yep. cigar guy, but it's an incredible place. I've been in there once, and it's we, so cool. I, I miss staying out there. We switched yeah. this year and stayed at the... At the yeah. Four seasons near the casino in St. Louis instead of out in Clayton. So I'm kind of hoping that if in the playoffs, perhaps we move back out to Clayton. We did a two-hour podcast that could have gone on for five. Um, and uh, completely honest, he talks about his hot mic uh, moment. He talks about what he scored a goal in Luongo. But the one thing that he did talk a lot about was just, you know, life as a referee and all that stuff. And you and I talk about officiating all the time. And the one thing you realize when you listen to Tim Peel talk is that they're human beings, right? I mean, the next morning... I'm at the airport. It's Easter Sunday, and Dan O'Rourke's there. Shandor Alfonso's there. Uh, um, uh, Kevin Pollock's there. We're all in line at Starbucks chatting. And here it is. You know, they're on a. It's it's a holiday, and they're on the road going to different places to work. I mean, you know, you realize that these guys, you know, they work hard. They care about their craft, and uh, I just hope people listen to that podcast. I always have been a guy who defends officials. I just think this year has not been a particularly good one for the NHL officials, and hopefully it's better in the playoffs. I'd hate to see you'd hate to see series or games changed by it, but I've always believed those guys work so much harder than what fans typically understand and give them credit for. And we've talked a lot about the times we've sat behind the scenes with league officials, and I think the game officials are the same way. They it bothers them when they miss a call, and sometimes on the ice it'll appear that they don't as they bark back at a coach and when the coach is losing his mind and replays clearly show that the or at least somewhat clearly show that the official may have missed it and he responds in a confrontational way people I think then just assume that he doesn't care if he got it wrong well he does care if he got it wrong no doubt and when they go back and watch it it bothers him and that's what Tim was saying was that, you know, there are times where if he makes a shitty call, he is absolutely like it's in the pit of his stomach for three, four days. It's like when I write a crappy article. Um, so a friend of the show reached out to me on Twitter today and asked how they get in touch with Profile. And I sent, to, I sent him and his girlfriend to Deb at uh, Profile. And uh, there's so many choices out there to lose weight. Uh, believe me, I've tried them all, uh, but I finally found the one that works. Uh, Profile is a full-fledged wellness program. My Profile Health Coach Deb designed a plan that was custom-tailored just for me. It incorporates my nutrition, my exercise habits, my lifestyle choices, my travel habits, everything. Um, I have more energy. I feel feel sometimes good. Uh, Profile worked for me, and it could work for you too. Don't delay. 
Visit ProfilePlan.com slash Twin Cities and launch your transformation today. Tell them Russo sent you again. That's ProfilePlan.com slash Twin Cities and tell us about Tria. Well, Tria Orthopedics is the place to go when you're banged up and you have to get yourself back. And it's not just like when you get a sore calf and you have to go to the emergency room in Vegas. It's when you have a legit injury. And this year has been a tough year for both members of this podcast. For me, it was broken ribs and the guys at Tria they couldn't really do anything for it except tell me, yep, you got broken ribs, so it's going to hurt for about six weeks, and then you'll be fine. But if you have a legit injury, they're the best in the business. Like my herniated disc that went away, thanks to Dr. Stiles. And they're the best. Whatever the injury is, if you're an athlete or just an old guy trying to keep your body moving, go to Trio Orthopedics. Um, sorry, I was distracted by whatever sign language Vinny is doing. Yeah, so, well, uh, you know, we... we Last week, you started the show with some smack talk about a championship well, series right, and, yeah. and battling for the Donkey Cup. Right, you want you to acknowledge what happened? Well, first of all, and- you have a horseshoe up your ass. That's what happens. Dumba gets hurt. You got uh, all of a sudden Tristan Jerry doesn't play a single game last week, so I lose the goaltending category. So that's what happened. So it's, it's one And then last it's- night, so then you have Freddie on your bet. You have, you've been. Benching Cam Talbot, by the way, who I hope he's listening to this podcast. Anthony had no confidence in you and had been sitting you on the pine. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Freddie gets hurt in your last game, and you throw Cam Talbot in there on the night that Shesterkin throws a masterpiece. Cam Talbot gets a freaking shutout. Right. So you have to have depth. Yeah. Cam Cam has been a big part of the Burgundy Panthers all year. The last couple weeks, he had... I hope had, Margo knows how much right. money you've made from this league, by the way, because I don't think that she's seeing any of it. Well, it's it might it might. She's won a lot. He's won a lot of money, Mark. <laughs> it it could happen. We'll see. But the bottom line, what Thousands. I think, what I think is interesting is that all of last season, I kept hearing <laughs> that Topo Kakinen should be the Wild's number one. You're a Cam Talbot apologist. You Kakinen's better. Capo's better. Capo's better. Well, now for game two of our final series, you've got Capo Kakinen playing. I've got Cam Talbot playing. And the capo we'll play see. yesterday didn't even look. He did. He won. He beat the Blue nice. Jackets. And didn't, I'm still getting my ass kicked. He didn't this pitch week. a shutout like Cam Talbot did for the Panthers, but oh, man. So yeah. So it's not going well. Um, but it's, it's not over. It's a two out of three series. How much I'm do I get? I, I, I probably shouldn't ask in the podcast. But do I get at least some money for winning se- finishing second? Let's leave that for later. Okay. Good. So um, so. Let's hope we that know co- that the Mighty Wombats won zero dollars this the way, year. So and that should the, be noted. You want to hear uh, some thievery? So we did that in-season cup, that stupid thing that uh, Dan Myers put together. Yeah, then which all of a never Dan, made sense. Dan to me. stopped p- keeping track of it. Guess who is the only person out of everybody that paid into that cup? Me, fifty bucks, and Dan now refuses to give it back to me. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. So we should also the, mention that Dan Myers' team won zero dollars yeah. this year. So I want everybody to tweet at Dan Myers on Twitter to pay me back my fifty bucks. What was start the, that remember tomorrow. what the wasn't there a, a hypothetical bet? Was that you refusing to pay him? Where it was, I bet you won't throw this at Greenlay, and somebody threw it at Greenlay, and I then think it, it was me. That was you that yeah, refused to pay him it. then because he, yeah, oh was, yeah yeah i'll give you well, 50 bucks never if shook. you throw that at greenlay <laughs> and he threw it at greenlay greenlay but, almost killed him but yeah and then you refused to pay him the 50 bucks because yeah, you that, said it was hypothetical or something like that yeah that's true the so hypo- maybe you're even now no no that one was just <laughs> throwing anything at greenlay was always that was a risky situation no doubt about that um hey another cool story that happened last week and it shows finally some good on social media um is um that Ryan Hartman situation. Yeah, he, crazy, flips wasn't the bir- it? he flips the bird at uh, Evander Kane and uh, Allie Cook, a uh, really generous uh, um, wild fan that honestly, I'm telling you that every like month I get, a, I get an email from her with like a Starbucks gift card in my account, just thanking me for what I do. Um, this, this uh, wild fan finds uh, Ryan Hartman's Venmo account, um, sends him 10 bucks to pay off. <laughs> to pay off the fine and then broadcast it on Twitter. And next thing you know, it just sort of gets some oxygen there. It takes off. And now next 30 grand donated to Children's Minnesota. And it all starts with uh, Ali Cook. Uh, just really cool story. It was a cool story. And I loved Ryan Hartman's response to all of it, too, is was has he made his Venmo private? That's what I wanted. To I don't know. But he the, I, I love the way he just responded to it with. 
I'm going to be contributing 4250, which was the yeah. amount of the fine. Let's see if we can't get this to whatever number. And it was, <laughs> I loved his comments about that. He had to go back through to try to figure out yeah. how much he actually had in, account. had in his account prior to this. And that takes some work. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Allie Cook, so good job there. Great job, Allie. It cost him $8,500. <laughs> he thought he was $4,250. Now all of a sudden right. it's $8,500. 8, so, uh, but no, a really cool story. And uh, and it was really neat to sort of document it. it. It was a good distraction from writing about hockey. I was, I was actually, um, it actually changed my week uh Big time because I, you know, like when you do, when you have a gazillion stories, you every minute of the day, you're always thinking about, all right, who could, what could I do during this minute? So, like driving here I, all day today, I'm telling Bob Mason, I will call you at 3 30. Um, you know, uh, Dwayne Rolson just now during our show, I'm texting you, I will call you Friday on the way to the morning skate at 9 30. That's how like my life works. So, that entire week, I'm like, I'm going to use that three hours on the way to Dallas to transcribe all my interviews for my story that I'm writing on the scoring boom. And next thing you know, I'm on this flight and enjoying it, but writing the Ryan Hartman story, going through all his Venmo uh, comments and putting it in my story and things like that. But next thing I know, I land in Dallas. I'm like, well, all right, that now changes everything in terms of the scoring story. So Allie Cook, you are the reason why that scoring story is running Thursday instead of Tuesday, because you changed my week around. Um, so it was kind of, kind of a neat story. Let's go to some Twitter questions. Uh, Ryan Bartlett, who I think you know, head, co head football coach at White Bear Lake High School. Oh, yeah. Um, says, what's the balance of home ice versus health down the stretch? Actually, you brought this up, so maybe you saw that. So uh, you, you brought it up. For example, do we play a guy down the stretch with a nagging stuff uh, that rest? So I think you you nailed that one right on the, on the money. There. Yeah, and Dean has said that he w wanted to talk to each of the players to find out what they felt. So went to John Merrill, went to Jordan Greenway, went to Matt Dumba, and not that he'd let them make the decision, but he at least wanted to hear from each of them. Yep. How many games do you think you'd need to be ready for the playoffs? And he didn't share what their answers were. Maybe we'll see a little bit with when they come back. But And the beauty of having upper body injuries is you can keep yourself in shape yeah. skating so that part of it doesn't come back. You and we'll see. You know what I was thinking of today is, so uh, Kaprizov's on pace for 101 points. What if going into game 82, he's at 99? But I, I think you'd want to sit him, right? I mean, like, like I don't know. They've done it, but didn't they do that uh, in previous years? Or that, that was with other players. But, uh, but well, I don't they've know. never had a guy with 99 points yeah. before. No, so but they've last had to year they actually that. sat Kaprizov going into game. He played uh, the last. Yeah. He did not play the last yeah. game last year. So, um, you know, I just, I, 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 my gut says that they would, they would sit him. I mean, you cannot lose Kaprizov. Yeah, going that's play. true. But going if a guy's division if a guy, rival like Colorado, if you got a guy at 99, I. Gotta believe you let him. Was it in baseball the other day that was on a pitch count that had a perfect game and they it was Clayton him. Kershaw yeah. against the Twins? Yeah, went just... seven perfect innings and baseball what I thought was interesting not... it was only the it was the second time in the history of baseball that a guy was pulled from a start seven innings or later where he had a perfect game. So I mean, in the history of the game, Weird. there there's how so then some people were sending. I had a couple friends who I had texted, like, can you believe they pulled this guy? Per only thrown 80 pitches. And they started sending me stories. And there was one, a guy got hit by lightning in the middle of a game and stayed in the game. Like after the trainers came out and checked on him, this was back in like 1930 or something. I can't remember the specifics, but he got hit by lightning and finished the game. And so, so they were having some fun with the Dodger coaching staff. And Kershaw said all the right things after the game. Like I'm not this point in the season, I'm not ready to go any longer. But I watched about three innings of that game. He was unbelievable. Um, question here is, uh, this is from, I always like to give credit to the questions. Give him a little shout out. Uh, Nagrant Six asks, um, if you haven't recorded, oh no, here we go. This is the question. Um, how do you see the league treating COVID during the playoffs? The league will probably have to keep protocols similar from US to Canada, but don't you think a five-day mandatory quarantine period could really affect the team's chances in the playoffs? No doubt. You know where, where this is going to be really interesting is like, so Minnesota, St. Louis, technically they don't have to test unless you have symptoms, but what if you are a Canadian US team and you're constantly now being tested you're likely going to have players that enter protocol like we're seeing with Felino. Like Felino would would have if 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 that game yesterday was in was Boston here, or was it at home. Felino's game. playing in that game, right? If it was a home yeah. game, 
Because um, the only reason the Wild had to test to get was, back in the was to get back in the U.S. It wasn't even to get into Canada. It was to get back into the U.S. that you had to have a negative test within the day before basically re-entering I, the country. I, the one thing I will say about that question is I don't disagree that this five-day mandatory quarantine is a little BS right now because we know that – so the league coming out of the All-Star game changed all its testing protocols where essentially like society, unless you have symptoms, you don't get tested. COVID didn't magically disappear out of the National Hockey League's landscape in the last two and a half months. These no, guys have been playing with COVID. They have, but everybody's vaccinated. Right. So now they say that, look, if you have it and you're vaccinated, it's right. the risk is minimal for those around but to you. That, to that uh, Twitter followers point, right. it's going to, those so, Canadian U.S., it's going to change right. Look the at complexion. an L.A. Edmonton series. Yeah. They're going to have to be testing as Constantly. as they go back and forth, whereas a Canadian team versus a Canadian team is a is essentially a non-factor. And we'll see. I mean, we've seen some guys that got clipped with COVID lately and because they yeah, were sick. they've all been on my fantasy team. But they were sick, so that then you should get tested if, you, if you're showing symptoms. And wasn't it, was it L.A. that was just here recently and they had a couple guys that tested positive right before the game and, and therefore weren't able to play? And in Montreal, had, they had a guy that was out with COVID because he had just been tested because he was sick. So he was, I don't remember which guy, they had about eight guys out of their lineup last night. And But yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see. And I don't think there's anything you can do about, it's not like you can change the rules for entering the United States. I mean, the United States says you have to have a test to come across the border. So call Joe Biden and tell him that, hey, we're in the middle of a playoff series, so we can't have guys that take a test. I don't think that's going to work. Uh, somebody asked, but I... I uh, lost the name. Uh, is a Fiala extension inevitable at this point? I don't think it is. I mean, it should be, but it isn't. I mean, he, first of all, he's pricing himself right out of here. But, I mean, this guy on the open market would get $7.5 easily, maybe more. And right now, the Wild, you know, they could barely afford him at 6 I, I just think that a lot of things are going to be done. Like, when they, flip, when they gave Galagoski that $2 million extension, it just tightened things up even worse than it was. So I don't think it's well, inevitable. It tightened things. I don't think it's inevitable. That's true. And it did tighten things up, but at the same time, it does lock you in that contract. If you, if you don't look at the full picture of, of everybody else you're dealing with, locking up Alex Kaligoski at $2 million a year is, is a team friendly contract. And he's been he's plus 44 for the season. I'll take that. But I think the, a Fiala extension is, not inevitable, but I sure hope they find a way to get it done. I, we're starting to see the all these signs, keep Kevin, keep Kevin at the rink. And what makes this team different than any wild team that's ever gone in the playoffs, I believe, are two things. And one is that they've got the best checking line they've ever had. The other is that they've got two legit scoring lines. That they, this is a hard team to defend. If you throw your your shutdown guys at Kaprizov, Hartman, and Zuccarello. Well, Goudreau, Boldy, and Fiala have proven they can carry the offense. I'm going to text Brandon right now. And I say, already ignore, texted Brandon. I'm, it's I'm been texting taken care him of. and saying, it's, ignore it's, Russo's text. It's been taken care of. Chris Noble says, earlier on you stated that Bill Guerin had a plan and you were pretty sure um, it was to trade Fiala. Do you get the feeling around the team that that's changed? And I'm sure they're they're wondering, like, how the heck can we change it? But I don't get the impression that it's going to be very easily. Here's a good question here from Tyler T Deuce 92. Tyler uh, asks, who saw Bennington lots of speculation on who the Blues should start in the playoffs? Who do you think the Wilds stand the better chance against? I would say Bennington, which is why Huso will start. Huso is going to play. I mean, there are some interesting similarities to Huso taking over that job as opposed to the year Bennington took it over and they won it. Bennington had 13 minutes, I believe, of NHL experience prior to that season, and Huso this year had 18 games, I think, in the NHL and now has outplayed Bennington, and it'll be Huso down the stretch. He's been really good for them lately. No doubt. I think he's the better-sounding name. Um, here's a word from Bosch Law Firm. 
Hey, hockey fans, Jerry Bosch here again from Bosch Law Firm and WorkCompExperts.com. If you're injured at work, it's never too soon to contact the lawyers and awesome staff at Bosch Law Firm. We'll answer all your questions, help you set up your work comp claim, and help you select professionals who will be there to help you, not the insurance company. And with almost 30 years of litigation experience, if your benefits are denied, we'll fight to get you paid. Bosch Law Firm. The call's always free and there's never a fee unless we obtain benefits on your your behalf. Call or text us at 651-333-8300 or visit us at workcompexperts.com. Anthony, tell us about Kowalski's. Kowalski's is a place to go if you're entertaining or having a great meal. I shared with you last week about their Berkshire ham that is phenomenal, that it's basically the Akaushi is to steak like Berkshire is to ham. And hope you guys enjoyed that. I had a few people stop me. I went to a different Kowalski's the other day and had a few people stopping me and they're going through their phones with a picture of a meal that we had prepared at home and said, hey, tell me what this is. I want to, um, this is what I want to make. And so it's kind of fun when people stop you in the store and they'll usually make comments like, I've heard you talk about Kowalski's. It's interesting to see you here. So when you're entertaining or having a big meal, got to start with the best ingredients for that. Go to Kowalski's. See, there's the difference between you and me. You like when people stop you at the store. And I had a guy uh, looking at me at Target last week and I thought he wanted to fight. And then I realized he knew who uh, I was. We had a guy that you thought was trying to mug you in Tampa and it turned out he just wanted to say hello. Um, I don't know. Not that you overreact to things. No, no. Um, if you're thinking about selling your home, now is the time. Uh, now you get, uh, you can get a strong cash offer, sell your home stress-free with a guaranteed offer with Chris Lindahl Real Estate. Don't worry about the hassle of constant cleaning and home maintenance. Sell your home with Chris Lindahl today. Go to chrislindahl.com, fill out a quick form, receive an all-cash offer on your home today. No obligation, and the guaranteed offer allows you to bypass the market and sell your home ha- hassle-free. That means no showings, no open house, no stress. Just choose when you want to move, and you will close with confidence. The Wall Street Journal named Chris Lindahl Real Estate the number one real estate team in Wisconsin and Minnesota for closed transactions. One of their clients, Dino, said, quote, we got a guaranteed offer from Chris Lindahl, real estate and in 24 hours above market value. And we got to stay until we found our new home. It was smooth, easy, and stress-free. I cannot recommend Chris Lindahl Real Estate enough. The Chris Lindahl Real Estate guaranteed offer keeps you in control. It's that simple. Go to chrislindahl.com to get a guaranteed offer on your home today so you can start packing. Certain restrictions apply. And Anthony, let's go to more Twitter questions. Sure. Well, you're usually the one that has all the Twitter questions. That's true. Um, KCL, uh, K Laub, um, I know I'm mispronouncing your name, says, have the Wild uh, had a full, healthy roster any time this year against the Blues? Uh, that answer would be no, right? right? I mean, they've played three times and twice in the last week. Not only and- no, but I, I think it's interesting when you look at the games against the Blues, and the run goes back a couple of seasons. But remember, last year toward the end, the Wild were locked into the playoffs, and the Blues were battling for their playoff lives when they played the last four games, I think, head-to-head, and the Blues won most of those, and a couple were one-sided. This year, the two games in St. Louis both went overtime, and I had a couple fans that said that, well, they still lost, and they had to rally just to get to overtime. That was lucky. Well, the time before, the Blues had to rally to get to overtime. So they've essentially played two tie games in St. Louis because both of them ended three-on-three. There is no three-on-three in the playoffs. So those games would have been going into an extra session in overtime. Both were road games where the Blues have the advantage. I think if you went to any coach in the NHL and said, you're about to start the playoffs, and the one thing I'll guarantee you is that every road game you play is going to go into overtime. I think every coach would take it and say, we'll roll the dice for an extra session on the road. Absolutely. And then the only home game Minnesota played wasn't really a home game. It was the Winter Classic. There's a million things going on, and the Wild were missing so many guys that I don't think the fact that the Blues won all three this year head-to-head really matters. I think what matters is they're playing some of the best hockey in the NHL right right now. But I actually think it's a matchup that isn't as bad. I think Nashville's a more difficult matchup for Minnesota than St. Louis is. My only big concern, because I agree with you, like to me last year, the the Blues were just 
insanely better than the Wild. I mean, it was ridiculous. I mean, they scored, they were basically averaging seven goals a game against them, right? But um, a couple but of this those year, games came late. That's what my point yeah. was, is at the end of the year last year, the Wild were already in the playoffs, right. and the Blues were fighting to get right. the last spot. And Kakinen couldn't and, stop. Right, and, and it, it was just, it so was different. This year... Like, I look at them, and I, I wonder, like, I, to me, look at that blue line as being extremely beatable. Um, you Without could expose them. Up front, though, they are better than they were when they won the Cup in 2019, and I think they're gold. But they're different. Yeah. They're smaller and skilled. They're right. not the big, Kyrou heavy, and, big, yeah. bad blues yeah. like you no think doubt. of when you think of. But they of, are a deeper team. And deep. so I think the biggest concern that I would have is that what you mentioned is right now they are running on all cylinders. Now, they lost to the Bruins last night in overtime. I watched a lot of that game. They did not play well. Um, so we'll see if they can get back on track. But I'm telling you, like that team right now, I mean, they had 62 goals in their 12 game on uh, uh, point streak right. up until, I mean, they still are now on a 13 game. Point I agree streak. with all of that. And yeah. I think they are playing as well as anybody in the league. What people don't seem to realize is how well the Wild are playing right now. They're 14 1 and 3 in their last 18 games. And yet that gets dismissed because everybody, oh, the Blues are rolling, and they are rolling. But the Wild are 14 1 and 3 in their last 18. I would take a team on that kind of a run going into the playoffs as well. Uh, Eric Maloney, who uh, we, we've met, um, we pretty much know by now that GM Bill Guerin isn't going to burn the, uh, more than 10 games for Rossi. You know what's really funny about that? I mean, remember when I brought up this theory right at the beginning of the year, we all said that around now we would know if my theory was had held any water, and clearly it does because obviously it was a lot of speculation back then, but it just made all the sense in the world to me. Um but Eric asks, uh, but do you anticipate him coming up for the playoffs and maybe even playing a game if the Wild run into injuries or see themselves in an elimination game? Absolutely. Uh, I, I, he could play seven more games up or in the year. I think that's why they're slow playing it. I think if Iowa doesn't make the playoffs, he's clearly going to be part of the Black Aces. And if they need him, I think he use him. Absolutely. Uh, Without a doubt. Yeah, I mean, he's the leading leading goal scorer in Iowa, uh, leading point getter in, uh, amongst rookies in Iowa Wild history. And I think – you would be foolish to use one of those seven games in the regular season just for that reason, because you get into a playoff series where you need them for a few yeah. games. Why not? Yeah, Why no not doubt. make sure that to me, the only thing is maybe you play them in like game 81 or 82. If just you're so resting you get guys, just to get a little uh, traction, you know, it's been a while since he played NHL games. He played the two in January. I just think right now, when you look at it, the fact that they brought up Mitch Chafee the other night, and it's not to, Dismiss Chafee. He was having a great year in Iowa as their leading goal scorer and Nine deserved goals the, in eleven games and deserved the call up. But if you weren't worried about, if you were not thinking at all about the potential of using any of those games for Rossi in the postseason, I think you probably would have called him up. And it's all speculation. I haven't had talked to Billy Garen about it, but why wouldn't you just keep that in your back pocket? If a top six forward goes down, you want a top six forward to take his spot, and that's the kind of player Rossi looks like he'll be. Eric also asked, what is the possibility of Fiala getting an offer sheet from another team, or is that possible as an RFA? Yes, he can get an offer sheet. Um, it, you know, obviously we know that that is rare in the NHL and rare that it works. Um, you know, frankly, if the Wild are going to trade him for futures, an offer sheet might be right what they want, because that would be, I mean, you'd probably get three or four first-round picks out of it, depending on the price, and that's probably better than you would get if, if you know, a pick and a, pro, a first and a prospect. Uh so, I mean, I don't think that this is something that the Wild are, are too worried about, but if anything, that might actually solve a problem. Um, you know, the other interesting, a lot of people, a lot of people have, because we've written it and talked about it so much, uh, you know, it's considered Dumbo or Fiala, one has to go because of their salary cap structure. And look, if you do the math, it really has to be. It's that simple. The other problem is, what is the market for Matt Dumbo right now? I mean, he's not the player that everybody thought he was going to be, and he just he's oft injured. I don't think he a year from UFA is very easy to trade. They've they've tried to trade him before and didn't get any offers that they obviously liked. You're right. I mean, I think he'd be easy to trade. He might not be easy to get the return you're hoping to get, but I we'll see. There's just so many variables, and there's other guys on this team that could be moved. There's other moves that could be made to make things fit, and. It certainly looks like the easiest fix is to move one of those two guys, but it's not the only way. Here's a funny question. Tim says, who does Spurge hand the cup to, Anthony? I'd say, uh, <laughs> I'd say Brodeen. Oh, that's an interesting question. Spurge has been here 12 years. Brodeen's been here 11 since they're drafted. Don't you have to give it to Brodeen? Uh, 
It could, yeah, maybe. I wouldn't surprise me, depending on what happens, if Marc Andre Fleury would be the next guy you hand it to. He's got three <laughs> cups, he could he's wait. Got, right, but it, that's if let's say he's a factor in it. I yeah. think that might be one way you go, and you know, maybe if, if Brodine's probably as good a guess, but you know, it also wouldn't surprise me if it was Kirill Kaprizov. I mean, if this guy is, yeah. I'd say Spurgeon to Brodeen to then we a hundred. I'll bet my entire life that uh, if it, Brodeen has it second, Tumba's getting it third. Without a doubt. So, um, let's see. Um, we talked about uh, what do the Blues give of the Wild trouble. Um, let's see. Benny asks uh, in the playoffs, depth is huge and can end up being the reason a team wins the series. Who is your dark horse? Uh, that maybe isn't performing right now, but when the playoffs start, will stand out bottoms uh, as a bottom six difference maker. I mean, your bottom maybe Greenway. You know, he's not in the lineup right now, but I think he could be a difference maker in the playoffs. Well, I don't think he'd count as a dark horse. That yeah. line, that line is as good a third line, as good a checking line as there is in the NHL. Mm-hmm. And everywhere you go, and everybody, they say, look at that line. That's nobody wants to play against those guys. So I don't know that there are dark horses on yeah. this wild roster right so now. Deep. I mean, the fourth line would you'd say would be dark horse guys, and I don't really see any one of those guys being a major impact guy. So maybe the major impact comes from one of your defensemen. And if we're talking about impact in terms of scoring punch or something that's on a stat sheet, maybe it's Jonas Brodeen, and all of a sudden he has a couple big offensive plays down the stretch. I, he hasn't been as significant an offensive contributor since Dumba went out, but when Dumba's back, maybe we'll see him. Hey, Kevin Fiala right now on uh, NHL tonight. Uh, Charming Chad, how do players get paid in the playoffs? How does it compare in the regular season contracts? Uh, their contracts basically stop and they get, uh, there's a uh, playoff pool that goes uh, every round that you get. Uh, there's a pool of money that goes to the team and usually it's the captains that divvy it up. Usually the captain will divided by 23 or how many are on the roster. Um, but, you know, technically they could decide, you know, you get this, you get this, you get this. But then they wouldn't be exactly the most popular guy in the in the room if all of a sudden you're giving guys uh, not a lot of money. Uh, Benny asks, how did your fantasy uh, uh, wind up? Benny, that's your last question ever on the show. Um, do I have any Benny, shot at winning? Let's talk more. Well, yes, it's we're, it's not over. It's Thanks, Margo. It's, Appreciate it's it. It's Wednesday of gonna week two. going to try to take money out of Margo's pocket. Right. How bad, honestly, were the Wombats this year? They were bad. They were bad. That's, they were bad. The, and oh, I always have to hear about AJ. It, so the Wombats is AJ and Vinny, and they think that they've, like, you know, split the atom and come up with this incredible, like, model of analytics that picked the, the... They have won two championships. Yeah, but not this year. <laughs> no, not this year. The, this yeah. year was an embarrassing year for the mighty Wombats. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm just trying to think. Uh, your favorite wild moment this year, Anthony? Bryce asks this. We've had Ooh, so many comebacks. There have been so many of them, and I I don't know that one necessarily stands out, but there are a couple of those nights early where they scored a couple goals, six on five, and then one in overtime. Probably that, one of those. The one, the Pittsburgh one was mine. The yeah, one where Hartman yeah, set up. Was then, it Beckman set up Hartman? And that was the second of the two. Yeah. And, and then, then they the ended first up, one was what. I don't remember who got the first one, but the second one came in the final seconds. The only yeah. thing that would that that was a little less dramatic is because it ended up going to a shootout rather right. than overtime. Bukestad got the winner in the shootout, but the so some of those where they scored six on five and then won it in overtime, and there were about six of them in the first probably twenty twenty five games of the season. I'd say probably one of those. It's just amazing how many overtimes though this team has played. They've got eight overtime games out of their last. Well, I suppose it's fifteen now after last night, but eight overtimes in fifteen games. It just it feels like so that homestand that those probably where it was three nights in a row they won an overtime yeah. that during the nine game homestand. Those three, if you kind of lump them together, that might be the highlight of the year. Um, Kevin says, uh, I know he's still very young, but should we be concerned about Marco Rossi's development? Absolutely not. No. The only reason why he's in the minors right now is this is Bill Guerin's desire. You know, like Bill, this is how Bill Guerin is, is deciding. We saw with Boldy. He wants these guys to develop down there. Um, I know we all like, well, if Boldy was here game one, he'd have 40 goals. Like, that's not how it worked. Like, in a lot of ways, you can look at it as like the Wild did the exact thing they should have done with him, called him up at the perfect time, and he was ready for the NHL rather than being thrust in at the very beginning. And we were talking about this last night, that his little four-game break here with the injury 
might have been the perfect thing for him at this time of the year, just to recharge the batteries a little. He's played more games this year than he had played in the recent seasons, and you need him fresh for the postseason, and he has certainly come back from that injury playing as well as he's played at any point this year. No doubt. Um, I think that that should do it. Last question here. Katie goes, do most beat writers have a similar relationship to the fan base as you, or are we weird? Venmoing you coffee money, accosting you in public, you're very accessible. Is that typical? I am a man of the people, Anthony. Don't you think? Hmm. Let me think except about for, how uh, to say this. Except for that Chris Scarella schmuck that if, I blocked I on Twitter if, today. If there's weirdness in this relationship, it's not the fans that are the weird ones. What? What's that mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just impressed you were half paying attention. I I think that it, in all seriousness, that your interaction level with the fans has got to be at or near the most frequent with any beat writer. And I will say that we joke about this, that you block more people every day than I've blocked in my life, which is zero. So mm-hmm. I don't know when the last time you had a day was where you didn't block anybody. I'm two today. <laughs> right. And so <laughs> most beat writers, I will say, are wired more similarly to you, where they only listen to somebody, question them, rip them for so long before they just say, screw this, I'm blocking you. Yeah. And so beat writers have a different relationship with the fans than the broadcasters do for sure. No doubt. Um, well, hey, this was a fun show. Uh, thanks, as always, to our sponsors. The one thing I haven't said on the show is our next live podcast is April 25th. That is Monday night, 7 p.m. at Tuttles and Hopkins. 7 p.m. Tuttles and Hopkins, Monday night. It'll be our last show before the playoffs, so we'll tee it up. Please come on down, bring your questions, bring an a, uh, appetite. Uh, and it'll be a lot of sh- a lot of fun again Monday night 7 p.m. at Tuttles. Um, thanks to our sponsors: Propane, Royal Credit Union, Aquarius Home Services, your local authorized dealer for Connecticut water treatments. Profile, Tria, Bosch Law Firm, Kowalski's, and Chris Lindahl Real Estate. Talk to you next week, Anthony. Sounds good. So much coming out, there's nothing going. Brandon, leave that in the show. <laughs>